everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi, everyone. Larissa Russell from Creative You, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today, I have with me Lauren Zapala. Lauren is the author of the INFJ Writer and the INFJ Revolution. She is a writing coach for writers who are sensitive and intuitive and struggle with writing. She also blogs about writing and creativity at laurenzapala.com. So welcome, Lauren. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm excited to have you. So can you share some of your story and the path that's brought you here? Oh my goodness. Well, it's a long story. I'll give you um, sort of the nutshell version. I was a frustrated writer for years. I wrote when I was a little girl in my adolescence. I loved writing poetry. It meant a lot to me. Um, I went to college and thought, you know, maybe I would be a creative writing major. And I applied to the program and was rejected. So that happened first. And then I said, well, I'll just take some of the classes on my own. And I took a creative writing class my senior year, my last semester. And at the end of the class, the professor pulled me aside and said, you know, I just don't think you're very good at this writing thing. Um, And I think it would serve you better if you found something you were really good at and you applied your talents in that direction. I mean, she was really trying to be nice, Mm -hmm. but basically she was like, you're not a good writer. Don't do this. It's not for you. I was completely heartbroken. That was in the year 2000. And I didn't pick up the pen again for six years. I just didn't write at all. I really wanted to, um, but every time I thought about it, I thought about that criticism and I thought, you're not a good writer, this isn't your path. Um, So during that time, I also became a severe alcoholic. So sometimes when I was drunk, I would try to write and the next morning I would read it and crumple it up in shame. Well, then I ended up moving to San Francisco in 2005. I stopped drinking and I joined a silent writing program We met once a week for one hour. We wrote together. We didn't critique it. We didn't share it. And that's where I finished my first novel. And then that program ended. I started my own writing groups in cafes. um, And I really had a good time with it. I was noticing I was counseling a lot of writers in the group who had struggled with the same problems. I did fear and self-doubt, anxiety, extreme sensitivity to criticism. And I thought, well, if I could start a blog and put what I've learned from my little groups into the blog that would reach a lot more people. So I started a writing blog and I got such a response on it. You know, I would write these articles about the fear and the self-doubt that comes with creating and how hard it can be to put yourself out there, especially if you're a sensitive person, an intuitive person, an introvert. And I got such a big response, I started coaching writers. So every step of the journey was completely unplanned Uh, but also came in at exactly the right time. And each step led to 
the next. And that's where I am today. I'm a writing coach. I teach writing classes online. I've written books on writing. I've written books on personality type. So it all kind of came together in this, this beautiful web that I could never have foreseen way back in the year 2000. Wow. I, I love that. And, and it's so true about teachers. <laughs> My partner's a teacher, but we've had this conversation about how that one comment can make, you know, somebody really rethink everything that they believed and just sort of shutting that out sometimes. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and not taking that to heart because you may not write the way they want you to in an academic setting. That's very particular way. And there's just so much opportunity and whether it's art or any creative pursuit, I think it's so important that we shut those people out of our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so hard to do, especially if they are already echoing something your inner critic is saying. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So true. So true. So then what does healing with creativity mean with you to you? Well, with me, um, personally, I used writing to heal myself of my alcoholism. And my alcoholism was really just a symptom of a larger, um, problem or pattern that was going on with me energetically that had this kind of deep, ugly root Mm -hmm. where I had grown up in a family that had experienced a lot of loss, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of addiction, a lot of trauma that never healed in me. It was sort of like these big frozen chunks of energy just sitting inside of me. And I used writing to go in and explore that inner landscape almost kind of like an ice pick at times to like drill through that ice and see what was under there. But then also sometimes like warm water, you know, just bathing the ice and letting it melt slowly. Um, But writing was really how I explored myself. And I started giving self-expression to feelings and thoughts that I had had for so long, feeling unwanted, feeling worthless, feeling unlovable, Um, the confusion around what had gone on in my childhood, really kind of like unpicking those tangles apart, you know, untying those knots. So that's how I used writing. With my clients, I see a lot of the similar, a lot of similar patterns where people will come to me and say, I think I need to write a memoir, or I think I am writing a memoir. I'm doing a lot of journaling and it looks like it's going to turn into a memoir. Mm -hmm. And I always say, it might come out of you as a memoir and you may publish it and you may not publish it, but it still needs to come out because a lot of times um, sensitive, intuitive people, they sort of need to like get their life story out of them because it's just been sitting inside of them for so long. And that really unclogs the creative pipe so that other things can come out. And I've seen that so much of the time when the writer gets the memoir out, whether or not they publish it, After that, they start getting ideas for fiction or a collection of essays, or they even start painting or doing sculpture, but something has been unclogged there. So I think writing used as journaling or, you know, as a form of memoir can really heal those wounds from the past. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I'm a huge proponent of journaling. I use it in all my programs um, because I think it's so important for, for us to start to, to delve in a little bit. And I will provide you with some of those prompts that, you know, to dig in a little bit, but once you get started, you can, you can uncover so much that you may not even realize is there when you're writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. So you talked a little bit about this, but what inspires you in the work you do? 
You know, the number one thing, it's my clients and my students. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was just blogging on my own, you know, I would get comments on social media like, oh, this is really me or this resonates or I'm really feeling this. But when I started working with people one-on-one and getting on the phone with people, getting on Zoom with people, even though I am a highly sensitive introvert and that was really anxiety producing, um, hearing everyone's stories, so many people who have come to me and had just really hard circumstances in life, growing up in poverty, growing up, you know, with extreme abuse, um, coming from war-torn countries, you know, coming from nothing and still every day trying to show up at the creative page, trying to make something, trying to create something, being really scared. It made me, we all have the same fears. It made me see, we all have the same fears. We are all terrified. We're going to make something that means so much to our heart and is really beautiful, comes from our inner essence and that we're going to put it out there and it's going to be rejected. And we're going to be told this is not good, which is the same as being told you are not lovable. You know, Mm -hmm. you are inherently unlovable. That's, that's the thing that I saw. Everybody shares that. And that inspires me because all of these people keep on doing it. We all have that fear and we all get up the next day and we're like, I guess I'll try again. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) Maybe yesterday was kind of gnarly, but I guess I'll try again. So that's what really inspires me the most. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I working with clients and seeing the transformation for me is, is so like not empowering. That's not the right word, but it's like, it keeps me motivated to keep going, right. To keep going because Mm -hmm. there are days when it gets hard, it gets hard to just constant because I'm an introvert as well and so constantly being on but then you see the transformations that people go through and it's like this is why I do what I do this is why yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so this next question is a little um I've had a variety of answers from people I've spoken to but what are your thoughts on monetizing healing and and or creative works right because there's a real um tug of war that goes on with people with yeah. this Oh, I work with people on this so much. This is a really big roadblock for Mm -hmm. intuitive people, for sensitive people, for introverted people, for artistic people. Mm -hmm. Um, There's still a lot of old baggage around money, which I think comes from the way our society has viewed money and work for so long. So there's this fear within us of like, I don't want to exploit someone else. I don't want to deceive anyone else. I want to really be authentic. Um, I'm a very spiritual person and I don't want a focus on money to detract from that or to detract from the authenticity of my work. What I always tell people when you're doing healing work, when you're doing creative work, it's an energy exchange, you know, just like anything else in life, there's a giving and a receiving cycle that is inherent in the cycles of the universe. And for that energy exchange to be healthy for both parties It needs to be a clean exchange. If you bring money into it, and if you find a price for your work or your services or whatever it is you're offering that feels good to you, that feels good in your body and feels in right alignment with your work, Mm -hmm. you will be putting a seal on that energy exchange that guarantees it's a clean exchange and both parties can benefit from it. And if you're doing healing work, that's especially important. So what that looks like when it gets dysfunctional is maybe um, you're doing healing work with someone saying you're doing a coaching session and you feel weird about charging for your work. 
So you do it for free or you do it for a really low price. Well, then as you're doing that work with them, you are not receiving the nourishment you need from the exchange. So you're going to get more attached to their outcome. You are going to feel resentful and you'll have more attachment to, well, they should have taken the advice I gave them. They should have done this. They should have done that. And then you're energetically going to cling on to them and they're going to feel that and throw you off because nobody likes to feel pressure, right? So now the exchange is really out of balance where you've brought expectations and maybe some resentment into it because it's not clean. It's out of balance. If you charge a price that feels good, none of that will happen. You know, and same thing if you're pay, if you're doing a painting, if you're selling a painting and you're like, I know this painting has worth. I know it can bring healing energy to the world. It feels really good to me to charge $50 for this painting. And then someone buys it at $50. You're not going to be attached to where they hang it in their home or what they do with it. You know, you're, you're able to let it go. You're mm-hmm. able to complete that part of the cycle in a really clean and healthy way. And that's what money can do. And I think so many people miss that part of the, of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I totally agree that it's that exchange of energy, but I love the way that you um, explained it. I just, I think that was a beautiful way to explain it, but yes, absolutely. It things for intuitive people. It, when they yeah. see that they're like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. Cause they've usually felt those little feelings of resentment because they've had experience charging way too mm-hmm. low or give, 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 but no receive. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I just really like that, that, um, the way you explained it, I just thought was really great. Really great. So what is the creative healing? I know uh, you've said writing and that might be the answer, but what is the creative healing modality you use the most for yourself? Well, it is writing for myself. Definitely. Um, the other one is coaching people, which I find to be a deeply creative act. I don't mm-hmm. go into coaching sessions with an agenda or scripted questions or anything like that. I go into it as, you know, we are two people meeting in this space, this sort of sacred space, Mm -hmm. and we're just going to see what happens. And every time something cool happens, every single time, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen today, but something's going to happen. And we always get to the end of the session and both of us are like, wow, I can't believe we got so far in an hour, or I can't believe we got here on the path. Um, But that really heals me and creatively nourishes me as well to Mm. feel that I can help someone in that way. Um, One of my shamanic mentors, he always talks about finding your medicine and putting your medicine out into the world. And I feel like my medicine is helping other people find their medicine. Mm -hmm. So when I do that in a coaching session, it really invigorates me and I can feel my life force just being fed by that. That's one of my favorite, favorite things to do. I love that. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way. I have a lot of different um, creative outlets. And I, I mean, I think of coaching as creative, but I hadn't thought about it, how it feeds me. And it's so true. It's so true. Because I always come away from them feeling like, oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah. We did good things there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yes, absolutely. Um, so what would you say you're the proudest of in your life? Gosh, you know, that's a really interesting question. Um, it's not, it's not something that's a traditional accomplishment, mm-hmm. if you will. But I would say, I was actually just thinking about this the other day. For so many years of my life, I was so angry. I really held on to a lot of anger. I was angry at my family. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the world. I was just angry. 
and it influenced everything I did. It influenced my entire life. And the proudest thing that the thing that I'm the proudest of is that I let go of it. I let go of that anger. It took a long time and it took a lot of hard work, um, like years, years and years of me even being aware that there was a problem. And then me having the courage to let go of it. I realized at one point that my anger was like a security blanket. I felt safe and cozy in my anger. You know, I was, I was right in my anger. I was always right. And everyone else was wrong. And it took a long time for me to see like that was an ingrained thought pattern and to uproot that and pull that out of me and leave it behind was so scary. Mm -hmm. And I, I look back and I see that I could very well have not done that. I might've just chosen to be angry my entire life. It was safe and cozy. Why not? So the fact that I was able to do that and to keep moving forward with it, I'm really proud of that. That's yeah. my number one proudest accomplishment ever. It might be kind of a weird one, but that's no, my- No, I love that one. I love that one. As someone who had a lot of anger when I was younger too, um, a lot of family trauma and that sort of thing, I completely understand it. And yeah, you've done the work. So of course, that's something you should be proud of. Yeah, I love that. So if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would it be? Well, this is, this is actually um, sort of my long-term plan as well. So I'm glad you asked that. Um, I feel like we live in the U.S., especially in, in um, Europe, Western culture, I'll say. Mm -hmm. We live with a very left-brain consciousness. Um, we're very rational. We're very focused on thinking and the mental space and logical problem solving and analyzing. And that does have its place and it is valuable, but I feel that we've gotten so out of balance with it that those of us who are born with a more natural temperament of the right brain consciousness, which is, you know, feminine and abstract and metaphors and symbols, language and art and beauty, it can be really hard for us. We are in a society that does not recognize our gifts. And a lot of the times when we speak up and we say, oh, this is my point of view on something, this is how I see it, we're rebuffed or even rejected as being flaky or scattered um, or our head is in the clouds, you know, or not detail oriented enough. So we receive that message so early on that the way we approach the world is the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I work with so many intuitive people who live with an ever-present sense of shame just for who they are, just for how they see the world. So that's what I would really like to shift with my work is um, just like we're seeing in so many sectors of society now, recognizing minorities, recognizing people who are not always recognized, you know, whether that's because they have physical disabilities or the color of their skin or their gender, I'd like to bring intuitive people into that and say, hey, can we recognize this group of people too as also having gifts and being valuable to the world? That's what I'd really like to do. I love that. I love that. And as we see this shift, I, I can see that being something that happens. I, I mean, I think I see it because those are the people I work with as well, right? And so those are the people I have in my circle of my own. So I do see that shift. It's Is it being recognized in the same way that, you know, color, ethnicity, gender, those things are being recognized. Probably not, but I do see that that shift is happening. So I love that. I it's love early that. days yet. <laughs> it's very early days. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have to fight for a hundred years for that. Like we do with everything else, but <laughs> we'll just, 
we'll sneak in from underneath and you know infiltrate under the <laughs> under the fence yeah <laughs> Um, so imposter syndrome, have you struggled with this in your work? And if so, how have you gotten over it? I get this one so much from clients too. Um, so I do, I, I did and I do, and I still do. And how I work with it, with my clients, um, because I have so many clients who come to me and they say, you know, how can I get more confidence? How can I get high self-esteem? How can I feel confident in myself and my work. And I can just put myself out there and I'm a badass, and this is what I'm doing. Um, and I always tell them what's happening right now is it's kind of like you're waiting for this package from FedEx. And when the package comes, you're going to open it up and it's going to be confidence, right? It's going to be this magical package with all the confidence you've ever wanted or needed. <laughs> and you're waiting to start whatever it is you want to start for the package to come. Because you're like, once FedEx drops off that package, I can start my blog, I can write my book, I can paint my painting, you know, I can start my art group. So the truth is, the package is not coming. <laughs> the package got lost somewhere. It's not coming. It's just not. We don't know where it is. It's going to be a waste of time to try to track it down because it's not coming. You have to move forward and paint your painting or start your art group or write your book or start your blog without the package. Mm -hmm. That is the secret. And I know it's a hard truth to hear because it sounds even more scary. Like I have to step forward and feel as uncomfortable and anxious as I do right now. Like I kind of thought I was going to be a different person when I would step forward. You're not going to be a different person. You're going to be you as you are right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Over the years you will grow and change, but ultimately you're still going to be you. Um, now, you know, I've have been running my own business seven or eight years. And on the outside, it's like, oh, she's got published books and a successful blog and this successful coaching business. I'm still the same person I was when I started the blog. And I was like, no one's going to like it. I feel stupid. I'm awkward. I just taught a class the other night to like, you know, 30, 40 people. And at the end of it, I was like, I'm a completely awkward person. Like, thank you guys for showing up and just dealing with me babbling because I'm completely awkward. And they were like, no, we love you. What are you talking about? But that hasn't changed for me. Mm -hmm. I, it's not, I'm not confident now. I, I have not gotten more confident. I've gotten more used to doing interviews. I've gotten more used to writing blog articles. I've gotten more used to feeling nauseous when I hit the publish button on Amazon but I haven't gotten confident. So for me, that's the key and the secret. And again, I know it's a hard truth to hear. It's not the warm, fuzzy blanket of like, someday you'll feel great. <laughs> I, maybe you will. I never have. That has not been the way it's panned out for me. Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting you say that about not being confident because, you know, how we appear and, and is, is so different than, you know, how we feel inside. And I think that's the, that's the, one of the biggest problems we see with social media is that appearance of perfection everywhere, that mm -hmm. appearance of confidence, that appearance of, you know, the perfect life and the perfect relationship and the perfect food and the, per uh, and the reality is nobody has that. Right. Um, no, I, I mean, for me, honestly, I'm a highly sensitive introvert. I go to the grocery store. I get anxious mm -hmm. every time. Some days it's worse. Some days it's better. <laughs> But if I have, if I have to make a phone call to like the insurance company, I'm anxious. Like that's mm -hmm. just, that's my reality. I'm always anxious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I get that one too. I get, <laughs> you know, and I've talked about that before 
Um, I mean, I don't have panic attacks like I used to uh, with the amount of work that I've done on myself, but there is the occasional time when it's like, okay, breathe through this, breathe through this. You've got this, you can do this, you, you know, and, and then you go on and do it because you've learned the coping mechanisms to get you through that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I try to be as honest with my clients as well that, you know, I don't have it all together. I, I might be, you know, a, a few steps ahead of you, but um, I don't have it all together every day either. <laughs> and so <laughs> this is real life and real life is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have an inspirational quote that you live by? Oh my gosh, I do. And it's, it's a weird quote and it's kind of embarrassing, but it is my true quote. <laughs> so it's a line from this song by Eddie Money. I love Eddie Money, the 80s singer. Um, and he says, worse things have been done by better men. And I just love that line because for so much of my life, I put so much pressure on myself. Like everyone's looking at me, everyone's expecting everything of me. The spotlight is on me at all times. Even if I'm just in the grocery store, I'm under this microscope and I have to be perfect. And I have, if I make one mistake, it's the end of the world. And I love that he says, worse things have been done by better men. It makes me feel like, oh, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm actually not Alexander the Great or Frida Kahlo, you know, or Maya Angelou. Um, And I'm also not like Charles Manson, you know, or like Hitler. I'm not like on the extreme end of any spectrum. I'm just an ordinary human being kind of in the middle of the spectrum doing ordinary things and making ordinary mistakes. So I don't need to get all tangled up in like, am I, am I making a mistake? Did I do the wrong thing? Was that a misstep? Because worse things have been done by better men. (laughs) I really live by that. And I love Eddie Money also. I'll throw that in there. I love that I knew who that was because I am, I am from the eighties as well. So (laughs) one of my favorites. (laughs) Most of my favorite music is from the seventies and eighties. So no, mine too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, I love that. So is there anything else you'd like to add that we maybe didn't discuss today? Um, you know, I just want to say, if you are a writer out there and you're having problems writing the traditional way with conventional writing methods, so much of the time writers and creatives blame themselves. Like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm doing what all of the advice on the internet says to do and it's not working. So I must not be creative or I must be flawed. I don't have anything to say. So much of the time, if you're an intuitive person, um, intuitive people don't realize that we're living in a society that is not built for us. Mm. So a lot of the advice It's just not aimed at you. It's not going to fit you. There's nothing wrong with you. You just are wired differently than the rational methods. So if you find an intuitive method of creating art or an intuitive method of writing, it can change everything. And I have a bunch of stuff on intuitive writing on my website too, if people are interested. It's laurensapala.com go to my website. It's a smorgasbord of intuitive writing stuff. The blog, I've got courses, I've got books, I've got all sorts of stuff. Um, But it can really transform your creative life once that piece clicks into place that you're not doing it wrong and you're not wrong yourself. Mm -hmm. You just are an intuitive person and the methods don't fit you. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you also have, um, well, you said gifts and uh, on your website, your newsletter. And oh, then- yeah. If you sign, my, sign up for my mailing list, um, you get a whole free book. It's Firefly Magic, Heart-Powered Marketing for Highly Sensitive Writers. And that's another one. So many intuitive people, introverts hate marketing. Again, it's because those marketing methods, they don't work with the way we work. So in my book, I talk about um, creating a marketing method that feels right to you. And that's in alignment with you and your essence and your heart and your soul. Um, Not just like making money or getting followers and all the stuff that we really don't care for. And that is a turnoff to us. I'm going to sign up for that. (laughs) That's one of the things I struggle with. It's like, I don't want to play games with people. I'm not good at that. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm going to do that. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I've just loved this conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Larissa. It was so much fun. And to our listeners, I will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day? Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.